Shall we pray? The book of Isaiah says, Yes, grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is ever new. It endures forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. And today we read a story from the Old Testament, Lord, but we know you'll speak to us about it, about people living and living ordinary lives and yet there's a message there for us today so may our faith all be strengthened as we look at the story of Ruth today we pray in your name Amen My life is but a weaving between my God and me I cannot choose the colours that he weaves steadily oft times he weaves sorrow and I in foolish pride Forget he sees the upper and me the underside. Not till the loom is silent and the shuttle cease to fly will God unroll the canvas and reveal the reasons why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skilful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. He knows, he loves, he cares. Nothing this truth can dim. He gives the very best to those who leave the choice to him. So the poem says, our lives are like a weaving or a tapestry. And we know that the tapestry has two sides. One the front side that we can look at and see the picture. The other side has all the knots and the threads and the tangles. And the poem says, God sees the upper side of, the lives, of our lives, but we just see the underside. And uh, we wonder why the knots and why the tangles, and one day it will all be revealed to us. And you might think, well, that's a very trite story, you know. I mean, uh, about dark colours, and we see the underside, and we see the upper side. Did the author of that poem really know about the dark threads of life? Perhaps if I told you the author of that poem is Corrie ten Boom. You know about Corrie ten Boom and her book, The Hiding Place, and the film, The Hiding Place, that her and her family, they were a Christian family, they harboured and protected Jews during the Second World War. They were discovered, the family was sent off to the Nazi concentration camps, and Corrie ten Boom and her sister went to the notorious Ravensbrook death camp, where after... Two, two years, Corrie was miraculous, mirac, miraculously released. So she could tell the story. Her sister died there, but she could tell the story. And she went on after the war to tell the story how the love of God could exist and the gospel could be propagated even in that terrible place. So surely she is someone who can write about the dark threads sown into our lives. It's hard to think of any more deplorable place and any darker threads than a Nazi death camp. I chose to read this poem today as an introduction to the story of the biblical character of Ruth, a Bible woman who has a book named after her. And we ask, who was Ruth? Why was her story so important that it's recorded in the Bible? What was so special about Ruth? Well, I hope to answer those questions today. 
The book begins by telling us that there was a famine in, in Judah during the time of the judges. Now, the judges comes after Joshua has, has conquered the promised land before the kings, the time of the judges. And there was a famine, and the story is about a Jewish man named Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons, Marlon and Kilian, and they left Bethlehem in, in, in Judah where they lived, and they travelled to, to Moab to escape the famine. They stayed there for quite a few years. Their sons grew up and married local Moabite women, one called Orpah and the other named Ruth. But tragedy struck, struck, struck Naomi, the wife of, of Elimelech. Within a short space of time, her husband and her two sons, Marlon and Kilion, died, leaving her only with her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. So if our lives are like a weaving, then some very dark colours had been woven into Naomi's tapestry. All the men in her life, her husband and her two sons, had been taken from her. Now we know that a woman in those days without the protection of a man was extremely vulnerable. Naomi's only hope was return to Bethlehem in Judah where she still had some family and she told her daughters-in-law to leave her and return to their families in, in Moab. Orpah eventually agreed to this plan but not Ruth. Ruth swore that she would stay with Naomi no matter what and in this part of the story we read the wonderful statement which we just read, a statement from Ruth. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Now Ruth was not a Jew. But here she swore allegiance to the one true God. Your God will be my God. It's a statement of faith. It's like she pledged, I believe in the one true God. He is now my God. And as the story unfolds, we see the wonderful golden thread of the providence of God woven into the tapestries of the lives of Naomi and Ruth. So Naomi and Ruth arrive back in Judah and their presence caused quite a stir amongst the locals. Can this be Naomi? Naomi has come back to us after all these years. But here we read a statement from, from, from Naomi. It's in chapter 1, verse 20 of the book of Ruth, where she says, Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? And the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. In these words, Naomi expresses how many of us feel when we encounter the dark threads in our tapestry. God has forgotten me. Worse still, I believe God is punishing me. My life has turned from blessings to bitterness and it is all God's fault. It's like Naomi had given up on God. But the story of Ruth shows us 
that God had not given up on Naomi. When Naomi and Ruth arrived back in Judah, it was the time of the barley harvest and Ruth went out to glean the fields. Now, gleaning the fields was a provision made in the law of Moses for the poor, for the widows, for the foreigners, that when the harvesters went through, they could only go through once. And therefore, any grain that fell on the ground, the stalks of grain, etc., the poor could come out and they could collect it so that they wouldn't starve. So the implication is Naomi and Ruth were on the verge of, of, of starvation and Ruth went out to glean the fields. She went behind the harvesters picking up stalks of grain, scraping the grain out of the dirt with their bare hands so they could get a meal. And now we are introduced to the third character in, in the story. We've got Naomi, we've got Ruth and now Boaz. For he was the owner of the field where Ruth was gleaning the grain. Now the story of Ruth has several levels of truth for us. And firstly, it is a love story. Do you like a love story? Are you a romantic? You know, within couples, usually one is a romantic and one's not so romantic. Guess which it is between Maureen and me. Are you a romantic? Well, the it is a love story between Ruth and Boaz. Do you believe in love at first sight? Have you experienced that yourself? Maybe in church today you're sitting next to a life partner, a life partner, and it was love at first sight. For you widows here, was it love at first sight with your life partner? Could have been. Well, we don't know a lot about Boaz up until now. Probably he was an older man. He was quite a wealthy man. He was a single unmarried man. And maybe he was a bit of a lonely man. But all that was about to change. For when Boaz saw Ruth gleaning in the paddock, it seemed to be love at first sight. For he said to the foreman, who is that woman gleaning my field? He said, well, don't you know, that's Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law. She's the one who's come back. She refused to leave her and she's caring for her. For Boaz, it was love at first sight because of the actions on the day, of his actions on the day when he first laid eyes on Ruth. And his actions can be described by the four PRs, PR words, four of them. The first is provision. Boaz went to Ruth and said, don't glean in, 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 in any other fields. Always look for my workers and come and glean behind them. And then he, he invited her to share the harvester's lunch. This was un, un, unheard of that one of these poor people gleaning the fields would be asked to share in the lunch of the harvesters. But he did ask her and what's more, all the leftovers from the lunch, he gave it to Ruth to take home. And then he said to the harvesters, make sure that you're generous and leave plenty of grain behind. You know, stalks of grain, leave it for you. Provision. Second word is protection. For he said to Ruth, always look for my harvesters and, and glean in, in my fields because I've asked them to look after you, not to touch you. You'll be okay if you 
look for my harvesters. We imagine a widow, a good-looking one, but back in those gleaning the fields would be prey to many people. But he promised protection of her. The third PR word is praise. Boaz praised her. For Ruth said to Boaz, why are you doing this for me? I am a foreigner. And Boaz said, I have been told about you, about your loyalty and your devotion and your love to your mother-in-law. And then finally, he actually said a prayer for her. Do you believe it? He said a prayer. It's recorded for us in chapter 2, verse 12. He said, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of, of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Isn't that a lovely phrase? We think of the mother hen, you know, the little chicks. If there's danger, they run to her, she lifts up her wings and they're protected under her. As far as God is concerned, perhaps I like to think about the mother eagle, the wedge-tail eagle, that powerful, strong eagle, up on the crags of the Flinders Ranges with her nest there and these enormous strong wings she can bring down and she can protect her young as well. The wings of the refuge of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your saviour and you've been baptised, and you're a faithful Christian, then you have chosen to come under the wings of the Almighty that he casts his wings over you to care for you and to protect you. So Boaz showed Ruth his provision, protection, praise, and even a prayer. All this on the first day he met her. Because Boaz was smitten. It was love at first sight. So Ruth went home that day after gleaning the fields with all this abundance. She's got the leftover lunch. She's got all the grain she's managed to um, get. And um, Naomi cannot believe it. They were on the edge of starvation. And now they've got all this abundance of food. She said, where did you glean today? In the field of a man called Boaz, she said. Boaz, but he is your kinsman redeemer. Kinsman redeemer was also part of the, the law of Moses, a way of providing for a vulnerable widow. If a woman lost her husband without having children, then the nearest close relative was to marry her, to protect her, to care for her, to have children by her. And also it, it would be the, the kinsman redeemer's responsibility to redeem the property of the family, of the male line. Buy up the property that belonged to her husband's family. And through the providence of God, Ruth had crossed paths with the kinsman redeemer who could do all this for her. And then we read about the interesting incident of Naomi suggests that Boaz, who'll be sleeping at the harvest tonight, he'll, he'll recline on the grain heaps there and sleep, go and lie at his feet during the night. Sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Boaz awakes during the night. There's a woman at his feet. Who, who are you? I'm Ruth. It was actually a way of Ruth saying to him, if you want me, I am available. 
Well, Boaz didn't waste any time. This redeeming process was this official business had to happen with the town elders at the town gate. Now, there was a problem. There was another kinsman redeemer who was in line before Boaz. There was a closer relative to Ruth than Boaz was. So they met with the elders and Boaz said, are you willing to redeem the, to, to, to redeem the property of, of Ruth and Naomi's deceased husbands? Yes, he said, I can do that. And it will also mean you have to marry Ruth. And we don't know the ins and outs of the story, but it's like I can imagine this fellow suddenly looking at Boaz, seeing the stars within his eyes and thinking, this guy loves this woman. He said, "Uh, I cannot redeem her. Boaz, if you want to, you can redeem her. This is what the text tells us in chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He went to her and the Lord enabled her to to conceive and she gave birth to a son. And then regarding this baby child, all the women said, said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. This little baby, a son, was going to grow to be a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. How about that? They recognise this daughter of yours, this daughter-in-law of yours has proven to be better for you than having seven sons. So ultimately the story of Ruth is the story of the providence of God. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, experienced terrible loss and grief in her life. She thought God had abandoned her and that he was even punishing her. But God had not forgotten Naomi and God used a most unlikely person, her non-Jewish daughter-in-law, Ruth, to weave the golden thread of blessing and hope into Naomi's life. And the story of Ruth is also a story of God's grace and love to anyone who turns to him in faith. For Ruth was not a Jew. She was not part of God's special race of people through whom he would bless the entire world. But Ruth turned to the one true God in faith. Her words to Naomi were, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. And we remember Boaz's prayer for Ruth. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. The scriptures tell us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Ruth reached out in faith to the one true God. She chose to shelter under his wings and God showered her with blessings and favour. In fact, the book of Ruth ends with showing us how much God showered favour upon her. For the book ends with a genealogy. You know that? One of those lists that tells you the son, the father, the son, the father, and so on. This is the genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. 
Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. So the book of Ruth reveals to us the amazing fact that Ruth was the great-grandmother of King David, which means she was also in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Quite an honour and a blessing for a non-Jewish woman who turned to the one true God in faith. Shall we pray? Lord God, it's an interesting concept. Our lives are like a tapestry. And many of us know all too well the dark threads that have been woven into our lives, the threads of grief, of loss, of pain, of hardship. And we admit, Lord, that we look at, look at our tapestry from the backside and we see all the dark threads, the knots, the twists. <coughs> but you, Lord, look at the other side. And one day, probably when we get to glory, you can explain it all to us, that you have been weaving gold and silver threads through the tangle of it all, the thread of your providence, the thread of your will. Lord, may we leave today knowing no matter how bad things get, God has not abandoned us. God is watching over us like that Great eagle with strong wings, we can shelter under his wings. When times are tough, Lord, we thank you. We can turn to you and shelter under your magnificent wings. And all this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.